Hello, and welcome to The Advantage Investor, a Raymond James Limited podcast, a podcast that provides perspective for Canadian investors who want to remain knowledgeable, informed, and focused on long-term success. We are recording this on March 11th, 2022. I'm Chris Cooksey from the Raymond James Corporate Communications and Marketing Department, and today we are speaking with David Casada and Phil Hardwick. David is Director and Research Analyst with the Equity Capital Markets Group here at Raymond James, and Phil is the Chief Operating Officer of Base Carbon, a recently listed company, and is is a widely known expert on the topic. Welcome to the Advantage Investor, David and Phil. I hope you're doing well today. Thanks. Hi. Thank you. Thank you very much. Let's just start with an overview. Uh, we see that you know the word carbon is in the news a lot, whether it's carbon tax, carbon capture. Uh, you know, for me, beyond Han Solo surviving the carbon freezing process, I find this topic to be a little little confusing, and I think it's the same for a lot of people. So maybe just give us a, a quick overview to get our listeners up to speed. So when we talk about carbon, uh, we're talking about carbon dioxide. Um, there are many greenhouse gases, but um, for ease of understanding, we convert um, all of those gases back into CO2 equivalent. So um, it's carbon, carbon dioxide is the base currency of all green greenhouse gases. Um, what we're talking about here is in these market sense, when we talk about carbon, um, is either the footprint of polluters, their carbon footprint, or um, when we're talking about emissions reductions and challenging um, climate change, um, you know, the projects that can deliver reductions or sequestration um, of, of carbon either from the atmosphere or, or putting less, less carbon into the atmosphere. And of course, we as human beings need a way to, um, to, 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 to codify you know, what we mean by that and to exchange um, units of carbon. And so carbon offsets are a, a measure of um, emissions reductions actions that we've, we've taken. Okay. Now, David, why should investors care about, you know, this voluntary carbon market uh, that exists? Yeah, I mean, it's a great question. I think that, uh, you know, in my role as a research analyst, uh, the first thing I'll say is I've seen a huge upswell in interest on this topic among the institutional investors that are our clients. And I think, you know, I think when you think about why your everyday investor should care, uh, I think one day carbon will be mentioned in the same breadth as many clean tech industries that have added significant shareholder value over time, things like wind, solar power, energy storage. And, you know, there certainly are other ways out there of reducing a carbon footprint, technologies that are being developed, a lot of capital chasing these opportunities. But the bottom line is a lot of these technologies are not ready yet. When you think about hydrogen, green hydrogen, when you think about carbon capture and storage, really exciting things like direct air carbon capture, those are things that are going to take a really long time to develop. And I think in a lot of cases, longer than many people realize. So, you know, there are a huge number of companies out there, large corporations that have realized this and realized that carbon is a risk that needs to be mitigated. Investors will see that risk. They will say, I'm going to ascribe a lower valuation to this company because I'm concerned about the carbon risk. So they need to find a way to manage that risk. And, and voluntary carbon offsets are, I think, going to be a crucial element of that. And if you're a company, say you're Shell, and you say, I'm going to be carbon neutral by 2050, uh, can, you, can you later on say, well, you know what, it's, it's too expensive, I'm going to back away from that commitment? No, I don't believe you can. I, I, and, I, and I feel strongly about that, because I think exactly what I'm saying, these companies want to have the best valuation they possibly can. And that carbon risk 
is something that they really need to manage. So I think, I think carbon offsets are a big part of that. All right. Well, then, Phil, maybe we can get into um, a little more of these voluntary uh, offset credits, uh, why corporations are buying them and, you know, the potential yeah. market. Yeah, I mean, corporations are buying them very much for, for, for what David was just talking about. I mean, there is the, the, the fact that they're making statements about net zero commitments that they've got to, to fulfill and not everybody can change behavior. You know, you can't make the oil industry green. You know, it can only get to, to a certain element of the way. Right. In fact, a lot of them may end up changing their business models entirely. But there's a second um, element coming through, which is, you know, even if you're a company that doesn't want to make a change yourself, you might find that the people lending to you are demanding of it. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you, you know, you might, if you, if you are not making the adequate, um, you know, progress um, that we all need to make towards, you know, tackling climate change from our actions, then you might not get that loan from the bank right. or the bank might say to you, um, you know, well, you've got to green up. Um, and, you know, and here are some offsets that you could help you do that. You know, we're administering this. So we're seeing those who've got gigantic um, net zero commitments and footprints that have been buying these credits for, for 20 years. Um, but we're also seeing um, new entrants of like, OK, my, my, my client list, you know, needs to, to understand this. I need to have these carbon credits for my clients downstream, the SMEs. And, and so we're seeing you know, almost every facet of investment, you know, greening itself in some way, fund managers looking to, you know, have, have portfolios of greener assets mm-hmm. um, that can be complemented, um, you know, with carbon offsets as well. So, you know, it's pervading all of our, um, all of our investments um, at, the, at the moment. It's quite remarkable. So when we say carbon offset, offsets, um, does that mean like a, a really green company like yourself, um, is is very green, so you have extra credits, and you can then sell them to others. Is no, that no. how that works? Oh no, we're actually developing directly projects with our own capital okay. um, that make a quantifiable reduction um, in, in emissions, or even remove um, you know um, carbon dioxide from the atmosphere. Oh. Um, there's a system that's quite well established. Um, it's very very popular now, but it's actually been around for the best part of twenty years. Um, you know, with quite structured um, uh, me- methodologies for what you can and can't do, how you should go about it, and how you should audit it, and how an independent third party should audit it to okay. create a certificate um, that says you have reduced or you have you know, you removed um, one metric ton of CO2e equivalent um, from the atmosphere. That has a value. Because then a company can say, look, you know, this direct action that gave us this, this emissions reduction certificate um, proves that we did what we did. The offset part is not actually that project. The offset part is you taking that and saying, look, you know, I did the best I could. I, I changed my processes inside the company and took my emissions from 10 to 5, but I couldn't get to zero. So I had to go outside of my normal operations and buy these certificates to get me from 5 to zero. Um, and that part is the offset. You're offsetting that five. Our job here at Base Carbon um, and what we've done for in in, you know, in our careers. I mean, my my career, um, you know, in the carbon business started at J.P. Morgan. You know, more than more than more than you know more than ten years ago now, mm-hmm. um, because you know carbon offsets are a big part of the EU ETS at that point, or carbon emissions reductions projects. 
Um, you know, and our job here is to create those emissions reductions to sell to people for to make offsets. Okay. Now, um, <clears throat> who issues these carbon credits, and and you know how are they created? Okay. So, in a very basic sense, if there were if there were if you have an idea about how you could re- remove carbon dioxide from the atmosphere, and you say, okay, um, I want to plant a tree. Um, and you might, you know, say I've done it and I, you make your own calculation. You say, look, um, I, Chris, planted a tree in my back garden and I think I've removed 10 tonnes of, um, you know, CO2 to, to from the atmosphere over the next, you know, 50 years. That's great. But you know, how do we know you did it? How did you make your, you know, how did you make those calculations? You know, uh, and is the tree even there? Okay. So what has happened is, we have a system where you promote the idea of what you want to do. That's called a methodology. And companies like what, uh, not-for-profit organizations actually, like Vera and the Gold Standard who have been operating for the best part of two decades, have set up a process for you know, acknowledging and creating these types of methodologies. Once they're fully vetted and peer reviewed, which is super important, it's, it's out there, it's public information. It's not just like Chris said, he's gonna do it like this and therefore right. it's okay. <laughs> it's totally open source. It's, you know, it's vetable, criticizable, if that's a word. Um, yeah, so, so, so once that's up there, you, you can go and do your project, but we've got to monitor what you're doing. So there's a second um, amount of, uh, you know, of work that needs to be done is, is your project design. You know, what are you going to do? Where are you going to do it? How are you going to do it? How's it going to be monitored? How's it going to be financed? You know, and, and would it have happened, you know, without, you know, carbon finance, because one key concept is that it has to be additional. It has to be an action that would not have taken place otherwise. So that means we can't go and claim carbon credits for retrospective actions. You know, it means we can't claim carbon credits for actions that are already financially viable. So there's a hurdle. So if you're, you know, if it's economically sound to, you know, to make a solar farm, you can't claim claim carbon finance for it because you, you don't need it because Remember, carbon finance is meant to be a, a, a catalyst finance. It's meant to push okay. us into new technologies, into new boundaries. Um, and you can't claim carbon credits for it if there's a law that says you can't do it anyway. Um, so, you know, and this is obviously gets into, you know, fairly contentious ground. So things like, um, you know, mine site remediation, you know, there's laws to make sure that mining companies clean up mines, which means that, you know, some carbon technologies for carbon, you know, carbon finance isn't, usable for that um and then you get into grayer area you know if there's a law that's saying you have to protect trees then you know is carbon finance actually additional if the law the law is there to protect trees already okay you know and it and some of these projects are absolute minefield for that so i mean this is you know this is this is this is why you really need to you know to go to experienced practitioners because it's not as straightforward as just um chris planting his tree in the background right (laughs) One, 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 one last one last point is all of the policing of this is outsourced and it's outsourced to you know what are called um um vvb so that's verifiers validation um guys so verifying you know the design documents of what you you know validating the design documents of what you've done and then on an annual or you know a periodic basis verifying that your actions have taken place um and, and that's quite key because these guys, you, you know, the, the, in fact, the real, the real crux of this market rests on the sort of professional indemnity and the, and the trustworthiness of, of the verification bodies. 
So, you know, there are some quite big organizations that are involved in this, some well-known technical auditing firms to people, you know, who who would recognize them if they work in oil and gas and mining com- companies like SES and Debt North Veritas. Um, you know, and, and their whole business model is based on their, you know, pr- you know, professional trustworthiness. Right. So, you know, they are given they are given the job of, of of signing off that these actions take place. That totally makes sense, and it's good to have that person looking because, as you said, no, someone's got to check if I plant my tree uh, to make this all go yeah. around. And he's got to now, be a, oh, sorry. Right. Well, yeah, and he's got to be totally independent. Yeah. yeah. Now, in terms of your philosophy on carbon carbon credits, what do you look for in a carbon investment? Um, we we look at on a number of levels you know we analyze where where we're looking for a carbon investment we look for you know what our clients are telling us and what our partners are telling us that you know they want um in their portfolio we look for you know the risk of that methodology coming under scrutiny for any number of reasons maybe it's you know dubious in its additionality or you know it seems to be too good to be true um Mm -hmm. Because, you know, in, in past lives in this market, we've seen, you know, methodologies be withdrawn, amended and changed. Um, so, you know, we, we've got to make sure that these, the, the, you know, the investments that we're making are going to stand the test of time. Mm-hmm. Um, we're also looking at geopolitical risk and political risk. I mean, you're going into to countries that are challenging sometimes and you need to fully understand, you know, the corruption level in those countries and whether you know, their take on whether carbon offsets are legal in their country are going to be around for the long term. Um, You know, and then, of course, you're looking at project risk. So, you know, does this thing stack up if we put this capex in at an assumed price of carbon? You know, will it make the returns that we expect? Um, You know, and all of that process is, you know, some of it manageable through, you know, spreadsheets and, uh, you know, and and financial analysis. And some of it is just... um, you know, the experience of seeing what has happened before and, and trying to feel the mood of, of, of geopolitics and where we're going with, you know, climate climate politics and what's going to be around, you know, for, for long-term investments. Only makes sense. Now, you've been in the business for 10 plus years, I think you mentioned earlier. Um, how has the market evolved and how do you see it changing as we, you know, start heading towards these dates that companies have marked in a calendar saying we want to be, you know, net zero by XXX? Um, how do you see it evolving? Yeah, I mean, it's clearly evolving very, very fast at the moment. Structurally, the process of methodologies, peer review, you know, project design documents, that's quite set in stone. Um, and I don't expect that to change a great deal, although perhaps how we transfer the credits using blockchain technology and, you know, the auditing trail might, uh, you know, well, probably will, you know, change over time. Um, But I think it's designed to change over time, this market. So there's there's a couple of things that are happening. One, the technologies change. 15, 20 years, wind farms, solar farms needed that extra kicker of finance to get them financially viable. We don't need that today. What we need today is, you know, reforestation of mangroves, reforestation, you know, of, of, um, you know, of rainforest, you know, addressing, you know, wetlands, peatlands, and also, you know, other novel forms of, you know, emissions reductions. Um, So we see the carbon capital flowing into those, those types of projects. Um, But as I said, you know, what we really see changing is the, the, the short position, if you like, 
the, the fossil fuel industry, the energy sector is well known to be, you know, to, to, to be, you know, have the biggest footprint, if you like, and have the biggest net zero challenge. But, you know, day by day, we're seeing all sectors of, um, you know, industry, commerce and life coming into this market and buying for all manner of reasons. So I expect it to be much more, um, you know, covering m many more of the companies in the FTSE 100 or the NASDAQ or any other major listing than it used to. Um, and I think that's going to provide competition in the buying for some, you know, for sects, for some sectors like the fossils who were quite comfortable and dominant buying in, the, in these markets. I think that, you know, that they've got new competition. So I think you know, there's going to be a lot of resources put into developing these projects and, you know, and we need them to be good and credible and stand up. Um, so hopefully this market does its job and that, you know, we see it develop into pushing and pushing new technologies you know, further, further forwards, forwards as this this vanguard finance, you know, does its job. Um, you know, and, and um, we're beginning to see that we're looking at technologies that you know we weren't looking at, you know, five years ago. So that's great. Right. Now, in terms of the, you know, carbon offset credit prices, how do you see them trending, or how could you know all those issues or or situations yeah. you spoke of help uh, or hurt the the trend? Yeah, I mean, it's very. Um, it's very dangerous to, to try and put one price on the price of carbon because, you know, as I'm sure you can imagine just from this quick conversation, yeah. you know, what would you pay me for an offset, you know, that reforests an area yeah. versus, you know, an offset that came from a solar farm? You'd feel better about the reforestation, right? Yep. So, you know, there is a lot of different prices. You might feel also, you know, that, you know, that's might be a, a price sentiment based on what you want your action to achieve but then you might also think well i've got the geopolitical risk you know i've got my project you know in eastern europe right now perhaps and you know I, I, and i'd much prefer it if it was away from from you know a, a, you know a geopolitically sensitive region therefore the price is down there so i mean you have so many variables of, of risk that it's very difficult to say what one price of carbon is worth yep. and it's also incredibly difficult to monitor the you know the short position in the market one, we have a, a flood of new entrants coming in from different sectors. Um, and two, different companies that have very similar business models, um, you know, take a very different approach to this. Um, some oil companies are very forward, you know, are developing large portfolios of offsets. And some, you know, like Exxon are saying, well, you know, we want to make the changes us, you know, in other ways, and we're going to offset maybe one to 2%. And that's a that's a corporate decision. But, you know, if you're trying to put a number on, on, you know, the, the size of this market out there or the, you know, or, or, or the, the amount of credits out there, it's almost too, too big to calculate. So you have okay. to kind of make some fairly anecdotal evidential ideas. And the one I've been quoting recently is that, you know, Microsoft is, you know, going to make itself net zero um, back to its inception in the late 1970s. It's about 7 wow. million. It's about 7 million tonnes which probably feels quite a lot to, to, to you, Chris, but then that's about half the uh, half a year's offshore activities for a, for a, for a large LNG, you know, company, okay. you know, the size of the short position is, is vast. Absolutely. So then who are the big buyers and, you know, what kind of credits are they after right now? Yeah. I mean, this is, you know, the big buyers are corporate world and, you know, energy and fossil corporate world and, and, and increasingly financial institutions. Um, and in our experience of dealing with these customers and, and clients and partners, because very often, you know, they cross all three 
you know, classifications for us. Um, they want to make sure that their emissions reductions are real and that you avoid page one risk, you know, right. because if you don't do the due diligence properly, or if you invest the methodology that may be slightly more questionable than another, you know, for what is relatively modest investments for some large corporates, you can get a return of incredibly negative, you know, press and sentiment when it goes wrong. Right. And, um, so, you know, that's a very key factor for, 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 for mainstream corporate world. I mean, um, and of course, you know, like any business, it's a fiduciary responsibility to get them at the best price. So, you know, they're trying very hard to make sure that there's, um, you know, sensible, sensible price levels for these offsets. But there's another balancing act within these projects because very often they're, you know, they're sort of tripartite agreements. You've got the book, the, the corporate that needs to buy them. You've got, you know, the company that's developing them, like base carbon. Then you've got the person on the ground who's delivering them and, and they are local to them. And you've got to, you've got to keep all three people happy because these projects right. range from about 10 to 30 years. So if you've got some smart guy trader who thinks he's gone and bought, you know, a, a forward strip of carbon offsets for seven dollars and he's you know he's telling the world how you know got it buy low sell high you know he may well have a shock later down the line when you know the market price has gone to 15 and 20 and he's doubled his money but if he's taking all the rewards for himself or his investors the guy on the ground in this connected world albeit in an ldc or wherever is going to put his tools down and stop and right. you know you see that time and time again in commodities markets um, where if the, if the transaction doesn't, you know, feed people and reward people equitably and fairly throughout the life of it, especially when you're in an LDC, you know, you're going to have problems because not only have you got the project on the ground that, you know, is going to be upset, but you've potentially got the, com the country itself who's going to say, okay, well, we've just got all of this money flooding out of our fragile economy, you know, and we need to put a stop to this and they can because they can say no more carbon offsets for our country. You know, we're just, it's just another, it's just another example of the West, you know, draining cash out of our system. Right. So you've got to make sure that you've got really, you know, really robust long-term equitable relationships on the ground. Now uh, let's use base carbon as an example. Um, you know, what I've learned so far today is that this industry is, is evolving and changing quite rapidly right now. Um, so how do you see your company uh, base carbon developing over the next say three to five years? Yeah, we are building a carefully curated portfolio of projects, a carefully curated portfolio of off takers. You know, we are not looking to get long, fast and hold. That is not the right way to approach this market. There are long-term returns here, very large cash flows, very large NPVs available for good projects, but you need them to stay the test of time if you want to capitalize on that. You know, and having been in this market since really the beginning of it being mainstream back in 2005, 6, 7, 8, you know, um, with the European Union entering into, into this space, um, you know, we've seen that be the reliable business model. Um, um, and for us, that obviously means developing projects, but potentially it means we can move upstream and downstream. You know, there, you know, there are project developers that are, are very interesting companies. There are, is information in this space that's required for monitoring, reporting, and verification. And I don't just mean blockchain because sure. you know, 
this is a market where there's an awful lot of blockchain solutions for problems that may or may not be there. Okay. Types. I mean, we need tree data, satellite data, LIDAR data, you know, and, and these areas, along with the traditional project developers in country, are quite interesting, I think, for, 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 for base carbon as well. All righty. Now, David, um, you would be one of the experts. Our investment advisors can rely on research, uh, your research and such. So um, maybe just give a sense of, as an analyst, what are you looking for when you look at carbon companies? Yeah. Absolutely. I mean, uh, and, and, uh, and as a precursor, I'll say yes, anybody who's interested in, in chatting with me in more depth on this, please feel free to give me a call anytime. But, but what I will say is that when we look at a carbon offset company, and, and some of these themes are going to echo what Phil's been saying, but there are a couple things we look for. You want to be investing alongside a team of credible experts on this place. The team uh, in the company that you're investing in is hugely important. And it's for a lot of the reasons that, that Phil has just gone over. Uh, you know, you need not only the expertise to get involved in the development of these assets, uh, because the earlier stage you get involved, the better your returns are going to be. And you need to have the contacts of end buyers that that kind of de-risk the project in the sense that you have you know what these buyers want. You know that you have somebody to sell it to at the end of the day. Uh, and then and that kind of leads into the other really key thing that we look at is the pipeline of projects that the company is working on. These need to be, uh, you know, and, and these are themes that, that Phil touched on, projects that are defensible, uh, projects that pass the litmus test of, does it intuitively make sense to me that this is something that's going to be, A, something that pulls carbon out of the atmosphere over and above a business as usual scenario, and B, something that provides meaningful benefits uh, for, for uh, the community. Um, you know, they need to be measurable, those social benefits, you know, Phil mentioned the uh, the alignment of stakeholders across across the value chain. Those are things that that we look at closely. Okay. And 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 then of course returns are important too, right? I, I, I talked about you know being involved in the development process or getting getting involved with these projects earlier on. That means your your ultimately your cost uh, per ton of the credit is going to be lower, and you're going to be able to sell it with your knowledge of the market at a higher price. There's a huge uh, difference between the prices that these credits sell for today. Uh, some of them are going to be in very short supply. So those are the kind of projects that, that you want uh, access to. And, and you want to work with, uh, a, or you want to you invest in a company that can deliver in the promises that they're making today in terms of ramping up that business. Um, so that's, that's kind of what we look at. All right. Well, uh, David, thank you very much. Philip. Thank you very much for taking the time to share your, your expertise. I know personally I've learned a lot today um, and I'll be probably annoying my friends with some of my newfound knowledge uh, over the course of the next little bit. So fair warning to people who know me, um, but I really appreciate you taking the time today. So thank you very much. Thanks a lot, Chris. Thanks, Chris. Appreciate it. The Advantage Investor is now on Apple, Spotify, and Stitcher or wherever you get your podcasts. So please subscribe and rate the podcast. Please contact your advisors with any questions you have. They can help you decide whether uh, carbon investments are right for your individual uh, needs and uh, requirements to achieve your goals. On behalf of Raymond James and the Advantage Investor, thank you for taking the time to listen today. Until next time, stay well.
This podcast is for informational purposes only. Statistics and factual data and other information are from sources Raymond James Limited believes to be reliable, but their accuracy cannot be guaranteed. Information is furnished on the basis and understanding that Raymond James Limited is to be under no liability whatsoever in respect thereof. It is provided as a general source of information and should not be construed as an offer or solicitation for the sale or purchase of any product and should not be considered tax advice. Raymond James advisors are not tax advisors and we recommend that clients seek independent advice from a professional advisor on tax related matters. Securities related products and services are offered through Raymond James Limited, member of the Canadian Investor Protection Fund. Insurance products and services are offered through Raymond James Financial Planning Limited, which is not a member of Canadian investor protection fund.